1: experts in agriculture, covering
0: your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you all. Uh, this uh, Friday before uh, a long weekend for some people. Uh, it's, uh, I hope you enjoy and uh, get the benefit of uh, those three days. Some fine weather would be great, so uh, Aucklanders can really, and uh, those in Northland as well, and the Coromandel can really concentrate on a concerted clean up effort, uh, fine weather please uh, whoever's organising that uh, we've got a really uh, cool show this morning looking forward to it with um, Brant your local John Deere equipment supplier they are the experts in agriculture get hold of them at their various branches around the country uh, we're going to be talking to you hopefully i going to open up the lines very shortly what do you think of uh, that Black Caps side uh, squad named for uh, the first uh, test in uh, Mount Monganui? it's a day night test uh, what do you actually think of the makeup of it I'll name it again for you shortly in case you haven't heard it. Um, but then I'd love your calls your, or your text, uh, your response actually uh, to what you think of it and perhaps uh, what you think of the, There'll be the final 11 of the squad members that they've got. So uh, inviting you to call uh, straight after the sermon. Howie, Mark Howard from the Howie Games, Fox Sport cricket commentator, Fox Sport AFL commentator, surfer extraordinaire. Uh, Howie will be with us uh, after 9.30 this morning I'm uh, really looking forward to him He's one of my favourite human beings Dylan Boucher after 10 o'clock The CEO of Basketball New Zealand Big night uh, for the Breakers Big playoffs coming up as well uh, And I've had a change of appointments too At Basketball New Zealand We'll talk about that with that, Dylan Boucher Levina Good and Mark Watson on the, the panel this morning That will be uh, strong And I would imagine a little bit controversial Look forward to that Uh, Your text uh, throughout the morning on double eight double three on the temper bedpost text machine will be great. And after 11 o'clock, we're going to go around the houses a little bit. First of all, with uh, Ricardo Ball, who is, of course, uh, our uh, football pundit here on SCNZ. Um, Big weekend of EPL action, plus, of course, uh, the Phoenix are in action as well tonight. Uh, And uh, after that, we'll uh, chat with Logan Swinkles, of course, our uh, producer. Um, Important time in uh, the NHL, actually. It's All-Star Weekend. Uh, so, uh, we're at that point where we start to assess where uh, each franchise is at. And uh, we'll talk to Logan about that uh, just after uh, 11.20 A stump smithy, of course, we'll have. And uh, is that 50 bucks or 100 bucks, Phil? Is it $100? We're up to 100, Smithy. Yeah, $100. Thanks, Logan. Um, and uh, McGarren uh, will be with us at about quarter to 12. And then, of course, uh, over to Staffy around midday. So, yep, very busy. Look forward to it.
3: Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy Sermon.
2: Well, I'm all for making rugby union more attractive and seeing more action with the ball and play, especially now I'm a customer, not a commentator. That's why I'm 100% behind this move in the Six Nations to speed up the place kicking process. They do come up with some lemons at times, but this one actually might work, particularly by round three, when they have the countdown clock apparent to all at the ground. There'll be a total buy-in here if the countdown clock to start the game is anything to go by. 60 seconds to kick a penalty, 90 seconds seconds to kick a conversion. Love it. For a start, that will dampen down extensive try celebrations. Imagine if they could do that in football for goals, wouldn't that be great? There will be a reason that you have to use the same ball to kick the conversion as you did to score the try. But at this stage, that continues to slip past the wicketkeeper and down to the fence for four buys. After all it's about the ball going through the posts, not the ball surely. Uh, kick the ball into the crowd if you score a try, I love that, let them, some lucky punter take it home. Great marketing would also make those tough seats to sell behind the dead ball area very much more marketable as well. Imagine having to kick that winning goal at Twickenham with Swing Low Sweet Chariot Brigade on your back, even more, oh the joy if you nail it. Are you even allowed to sing Swing Low Sweet Chariot anymore or has that been banned as well? Bring it on, bring it in. I'll bet uh, Bernard Foley would have it mastered really quickly. Now, if uh, they could master the reset scrums, the walking to the line out, the multitude of water people, the TMOs, the AR interventions, and all the rest, we might all get home, or even more importantly to the pub, in under two hours. How we might even think about going in the first place. Those rows and rows of empty yellow seats are becoming a little boring, wouldn't you say? Let's fill them up.
3: Talk back time with Smithy. Call now 0800
2: 150 811. Uh, 908 here on SENZ. Yes, I'll go through that uh, Black Cap squad. Uh, Tim Southey, captain of course uh, these days Michael Bracewell, Tom Blundell Devon Conway, Matt Henry, Kyle Jamieson Tom Latham, Daryl Mitchell Henry Nicholls, Sodhi, Blair Tickner, uh, Neil Wagner Kane Williamson and Will Young Right, that is the squad from which they will finalise the 11 for the first test against England starts February the 16th and it's a day nighter at the beautiful Bay Oval in Mount Maunganui Jeff, the ref is on the line from Cromwell Jeff, good morning to you
4: Good morning, Smithy. How are you, buddy? Hey, uh, yeah. are going we pretty well, actually. Cricket, yeah. yeah. I, I yeah, I've just I want to clear the air, really. Just uh, I think we could be related. I, before I get into the cricket and the rugby, I just want to clear the air there because we got the same surname. I used to yeah. be a wicketkeeper, and my, and my best shot was the Smith Cut, you know. Um, really? Really? Yeah, it was, actually. That's the only shot I could actually play well. i
2: um, not saying that's the only shot but, you played well, but... Can, Smithy, but can, um, I ask you how,
4: can I ask you how old you are, Jeff? Yeah, I checked you out last night because I thought we were a similar age. Um, my coach, you might remember him, a guy called Joe O'Connell. who uh, used to right. be the cricket guru in uh, Wockstip Basin, Queenstown. Right, okay. Remember, OK. Did you ever meet him? Y- but, I know yeah, the name I'm from sick-
2: down that ray. here. Yeah, I'm... Yeah. Um,
4: I, I'm turning 62 and I see you're going to be double dipping this year, Smitty.
2: Um, I'm, I'm <laughs> double dipping. I'm double dipping already. Are yeah.
4: you? Yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, Uncle, Go- <laughs> Uncle Google must be behind the times. But, uh... Also, Smitty, um you need to come out of retirement when it comes to pie-eating, mate, and try those Sanger's Pies. Uh... There's a bloody nice curry sausage one down here and the Sangster boys oh that God. named after their father. You, you've got to oh come out try, and try one of them. Oh,
2: that's a a reason for coming alone.
4: Uh, the other thing I just... I know you mentioned about the underarm where you take a day of leave. I think I'll do that. I might add that to the reunion every year. I might take a day off because I, I still haven't got over that myself, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, um uh, getting back to well. looks at you know um remember poor old Rutherford. you know ken Rutherford. he got the, the selectors through him at the west indies and um you know and it sort of reminds me of what's happening to alan that they're throwing this young guy to the wolves really um the same thing happened to ken way back in the day when they threw ken Rutherford at the west indies and it just shattered him really it took him a while to recover from that so hopefully they can manage Alan a lot better than did Ken Rutherford in those early years. Maybe. But um, uh, talk, Regarding the Test team, yeah, I'm, I'm pleased Wagner's in there. I think they haven't used him enough in the Test series and I think we need him there. Um, uh, but I won't get right into it because I sort of haven't really had a decent buddy look at it, really, the Test side. Somebody. But uh, the rugby rules, you know, as a referee, I think uh, the tackle height, fantastic and it's going to make that breakdown clear and obvious, a lot more clear, less um and the game will flow, you know, the offloads will be better and um, I'm not sure about whether the whether there'll be less or more injuries, hopefully it'll be a lot less with the tackle but I can see the game going to flow and those 50-50 calls which has always been the bugbear, you know, for spectators and the players and the referee I think I think with that um, blow sternum sternum's going to be fantastic um, and the game will flow. It'll suit my type of refereeing where I can play that advantage and let the game flow. Uh, and time-wasting, yeah, about bloody time they brought that in. So that's fantastic. Um, another year.
2: Yeah, I, I, I'd look forward to uh, the, the Six Nations just to see if it does uh, just speed up the process a wee bit more, Geoff. Um, in terms of... Um, uh, Finn Allen, it looks like having chatted to Gavin Larson yesterday, he's a fixture for a while and I would imagine even if he has still a, has a, a row of uh, small scores, they're going to persist with him. I, I think Martin Guptill can probably kiss goodbye to any future with New Zealand cricket. So, uh, Yeah, and um, in terms of the Tests, so in terms of Ken Rutherford, yes, they did throw him under the bus uh, and in the end they found a spot for Ken Rutherford in the middle order. Against friendlier attacks, so he could develop his career. And if you take out that early days, those early stages for Ken Rutherford, where his average basically started in the minuses, was that poor. Um, that uh, the, towards the end of it, he picked it up nicely. So, uh, Jeff, thanks very much. Thanks very much for your call, mate. We appreciate that. Um, Matthew, Matthew, good morning to you.
5: Oh, good morning, Smithy. I um, I listened to your chat with Gavin Larson yesterday. And, uh, I mean, Jameson was going to be picked. What a load of tosh, you know. Uh, and he'd been to a couple of games and seen him bowl four over here, 10 there. The guy's a young fella. He's fit. He was going to be in there in this very conservative uh, approach. Um, it's almost... Uh, it's just a, a continuation of conservatism. I don't know. Maybe we need an Eddie Jones-type selector in there. A bit of controversy. But I'm glad for Jameson. He deserves to be in there. So does Wagner. Um, yeah, know, yeah, just... A, just what a talisman for New Zealand Test cricket, and should have deserved more in maybe the fifty-over game. But yeah, that's all I wanted to say. Really, I think um, stop. They talk in riddles, these selectors. It's just sometimes it's just as a as a watcher of the game. I'm going to go down to the Tauronga Test. I'm really looking forward yeah. to it. And uh, uh, but yeah, just stop talking in riddles. And just uh, a bit of truth never goes amiss. You should have just come. and See, it. Jameson's. They don't want to. Say anything because I understand team announcements are very sensitive for other players. But they would have told. But everybody would have known the lay of the land.
2: Yeah, I find it interesting, um, and I hope he is fit. And I hope you know um, after his injury that he, he is okay. He might have to bowl. Say you uh, you lose the toss and it doesn't go well, and uh, you're in the park for a day and a half. He may have to bowl twenty something plus overs. I hope his his body's good for that. And um matthew I, I realize he's a young man uh, he's a very extremely tall young man extremely good young man as well when he's at his best mm. so i like the thought of that um I, I i'm with you i think wagner will will get a run here um and i think matt henry might be the one that misses out if uh, they go with Jameson from the outset uh, but they'll have always been a bit of uh, they're a, a matt henry crew uh, the balance of the side will be interesting because they'll, they'll bat Blundell at six uh, at six, and that means they've got a spot at seven for Michael Bracewell. Do they believe that Michael Bracewell by himself is good enough to spin England out if he has to be? I do not believe so. I do not believe he's good yeah. enough to spin England out. Um, in other words, uh, if they played him, then they could play the four seamers. I'm not sure they can do that. I, I really don't know yeah. if they can do that. So I, I'd be thinking each side he might play and that'll be a good thing. Yeah.
5: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I concur
2: with that. Are you going to go to that um, Mount Maunganui game? No, no, I, I won't be going um, not to, to Mount Maunganui. I might pop down to the basin for a day or two. That sounds appealing. A oh. uh, bit closer yeah, yeah. to home for me, so I I, I might I, I look forward to that. But, yeah, you're right. Um, Transparency a, is a wonderful thing, and let, let's hope we get oh. more of it. Hey, hey, what about, Matthew? Just uh, I noticed you're from Northland, so uh, dry, getting dry up there.
5: Uh, the short answer is no. Um, I, um, I've, uh, In my place, I've tipped over just over 400 mils out of my rain gauge for January. And that's just off the charts. You know, it's just... And uh, we haven't had something, like a lot of people, you heard the generic commentary. We haven't had a summer here yet, to be honest. It's just... Um, it's still um, dri- heavy drizzle this morning and be throughout the day. And, and it's really humid and hot. And... Um, but... Yeah, no, no summer today and January rainfall, not as bad as Auckland, but we've had a shitload,
2: mate. Oh, I feel sorry for you, uh, Matthew. I uh, really yeah. do. Let's uh, hope things uh, turn for the better for you guys uh, and ladies up there yeah. as well. Ha, thanks for your call. Appreciate it. I appreciate your thoughts, man. Thank you. Let's uh, go across uh, a little further south, but still copying it. Um, I understand uh, Joey from Auckland. Joey, um, all the best uh, to you. I hope uh, you've survived uh, this. Absolute deluge over the last week.
6: Yeah, thanks, Smitty. Um, it's it's pouring down in Auckland again. It's um, you know, it's not been good. Obviously, it hasn't been good. You know, for Northland or Coromandel either. You know, and it's uh, it's pretty tough. But um, you just sort of get on with it, and um, you know, you can only do what you do. But it's raining again here, so it's not a good sign. But Smitty, I was just thinking, uh, like yourself, I think Martin, up till uh, probably days New Zealand cricket are now gone but I thought possibly you know the, the way we've been batting lately you, you could have maybe bring him, brought him back you know for a series especially against England because they're going so well under the, there's McCullum um, maybe you know and it's say four you know drop him at four not not open um, just for steady you know I, I think our bowling's fine and um, and okay Patel hasn't got a go which is a bit mesmerising for me um, especially after what he's done, but, you know, that's how it is. Um, and and I, I, I think we're we're top-heavy on bowling, and, it's, you know, you, you've got to score the runs, you know, before your bowlers, e- either way, you know, you've got to score the runs before winning, you know, to give your bowlers a chance. And and I think we may have one too many, um, uh, uh, not spinners, um, the, the other bowlers, uh, and, and 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 I think that, Someone like Guptil could come back and refresh, um, you know, wanting to show everybody, you know, you know, we know how good he is, and, and I, I just think that it, it's it's a shame because our, I think our batting's going to fall fall with England, not so much our bowling. Oh, I think we're going to be big big problems with our batting because we've been we've been seeing that in England, um, in, in India, it isn't it?
2: Uh, look, I, I, I agree with you, Joey. Uh, I, I agree with you uh, in terms of, um, uh, I think the batting will be under pressure. I think England are an extremely good bowling attack, although like us, uh, they have, for me, uh, not really got a proven test spinner who you would think is a genuine threat in New Zealand conditions. Uh, I would be very, very surprised and disappointed if Jack Leach bowled us out, put it that way. Uh, but having said that, They do have a lot of experience in their bowling attack, Uh, a wealth of it actually. If we give them semic and um, conducive conditions, swing conditions, and um, we lose a toss or two every now and then, uh, we could be in in stuck. Uh, They'll put a lot of pressure on our top order. So um, I I, I totally uh, agree with your your sentiments about that, and uh, I. I just like to think we, we prepare a, a cricket pitch It's just going to bring all elements into the game, all elements into the game, because apart from anything else, I think the fans want to see all the elements of the game, and it's the best way to encourage people to play the game is to uh, exhibit test, uh, test match cricket in all forms. In other words, great fast bowling, terrific spin bowling, terrific batting, terrific fielding. That makes kids want to play. It, I tell you, it does. It's as simple as that. Okay, right, uh, let's get to uh, to Joey. Uh, we've been to Joey. Let's get to Nev in Dunedin, a little further south, and a good deal drier. Neville, good morning to you.
7: Good morning, Ian. Um, I'm not in Dunedin now. I'm in Kayapoi Christchurch.
2: <laughs> okay, so, good on you, man.
7: Where's 1231? Anyway, um, look, <laughs> well, I wanted to congratulate you on joining the Australian commentary team. <laughs> I thought it was well, great.
2: Yeah, I, I too, it was a bit of a bonus actually, I didn't expect to go over there, I was uh, called over at the last minute after the Cricket World Cup uh, for T20, so I was, I was uh, really thrilled to get an yeah. opportunity, great people, in fact, in about uh, 10 minutes time we're going to be talking to one of those gentlemen, and uh, Mark Howard, I've got old Howie, so uh, he's a terrific oh, yeah. broadcaster, so I'm looking forward to talking to him.
7: Yeah, well I hope that's got you into a, a slot on the ashes when it's over there, <laughs> that'll be great. <laughs>
2: that would be nice. That'd be nice. Yeah.
7: Anyway, look, look, The cricketer, um, what's your name? Mitchell, thirty-five. The other ten, I think, scored twenty-eight. Oh, I mean, mm. that's just crazy. Uh, oh, I don't know what's wrong. There's something wrong, isn't it?
2: Look, oh, it's me. very poor. That was a good pitch. That was a very good pitch. I mean, you don't score two hundred and thirty-five, uh, whoever you are, if it's a bad batting pitch. So that makes it uh, even poorer. That uh, sixty. So I know they had to. Put the foot down early on in the piece, but they they were bowled out, um, you know. With look mistakes that they continue to make, um, and, and that's that's my yeah. issue with it. You know, where yeah. where are we getting better? Where are we getting better, ne- uh, Nev? Yeah.
7: But the the second match, some of the shot making was absolutely unbelievable. Um, I, I just think the leadership. There's something wrong with me now. Uh, I don't think Southie's the answer to the test because. Um, Wagner, for some reason, is on the outer, and I just cannot understand that. Um, I couldn't even see Wagner bowling any worse than any of them you know, in the T20. Um, But the test series that we've lost, you know, Pakistan and India, in both cases there were tests there that I'm sure we may well have won had Wagner been there instead of one of the spinners. Because... Let's be honest, Ajax Patel, he might have taken 10 wickets, but it didn't really matter. And he is expensive. And I don't know, It just doesn't seem to be a test me bowler to me. Yeah, uh, Wagner good point, has um... been our best bowler.
2: Wagner um, did um, make, make did Wagner did make the odd appearance in those Test matches. I, I think it's fair to say, and uh, really, um, I, I just don't think those, those surfaces were for him. Um, normally, uh, you want the surface to really wear, um, because that uh, means the ball will wear, and that's when uh, Neil Wagner uh, comes into his own. Uh, Neville, I appreciate your thoughts, and call. I think uh, Neil Wagner will play uh, against England, particularly in the first Test, which is his home base now in Mount Maunganui. I certainly hope he does because the, the theory that we had with uh, with Wagner, the short pitch bowling, was so successful. Um, I think it's fully worth persevering with um, against the England side who will take it on. Exciting, exciting prospects. Thanks everyone for your calls this morning. Uh, interesting squad. Uh, it'll be an interesting eleven named in about, uh, well, it's about 13 days. I think 13 days that test match starts 9.24 here on SCNZ.
1: CNZ Brand are experts in agriculture covering your equipment parts and
0: service needs to help you succeed in your field summer or winter he's the voice of sport in our Aotearoa this is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ
2: a couple of uh, texts have come in. Uh, Anthony, Blackcap's worth a shot in the day-nighter. Hopefully we bowl at dusk. Good on you, double-dipping. It pays for the peers Yes, you're right. It, uh, well, it doesn't pay for many beers, uh, Anthony, but it pays for a good few. There's no doubt about that. Um, thanks for that. Chris, uh, disappointed that they didn't pick Ajaz, but really looking forward to the series and looking forward to see Australia vs Indi- India series. Uh, that's always entertaining. Yes, the Border Gavaska Trophy up for grabs very shortly in India. Talk to Mark Howard about that very shortly. Um, and Chris has uh, come in and said uh, could you find out if Josh Curran is, is stood down, has a court case coming up and doesn't that, uh, in that NRL have a stand down policy the boys have just checked into that and yes I think there's still some uh, charges pending here, so uh, we'll keep you updated with that as, as soon as we, as we get a definitive it's definitive." it's 9.30 here on SENZ got to get to Howie, but first we've got to get to Araha with the news <laughs>
6: Oh, Nisa's hit down the ground for four. That's a beautiful shot. That's the shot of a class batsman. He's gone four, 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 four. Hit hard, over the top, over the top. It's gonna bounce. There it is. They've got it done. The Brisbane Heat have won on the back of a superb innings from Michael Nisa.
2: Well, that was commentary on uh, SEN of uh, last night's Big Bash final. Doing it on behalf of Fox, though, was a well-known broadcaster and brilliant human being, actually. Uh, Terrific uh, all-round broadcaster in terms of cricket. Um, The AFL, uh, uh, what uh, this fellow doesn't know about anything to do with sport, isn't worth knowing. It is uh, Mark Howard. Uh, Howie, howie, good morning to you, my great friend.
8: Smithy. finally finally I've achieved something on my career I've been pestering you all summer to get me on your radio show and you must have had a little spot. Well, Gilly must have fallen over or you couldn't get older junior so my phone's running great to speak to
2: you my friend how are you yeah actually I had Kath lined up I had uh, Isha lined up and <laughs> I've got you in the end Howie finally finally uh, said, you, can, you can't have them but you can have Howie okay so
0: there
2: we no, go no I expected uh, as much I expected as much <laughs> hey Howie uh, on a, a slightly serious note to begin with low scoring final, wasn't it? Interesting. It had its drama, though.
8: Yeah, it did. And, Smithy, you saw that SCG pitch throughout the test match and over the summer. It was always going to be low scoring. It was basically like rolled mud. Uh, but, gee, it was an upset. You know, we can talk about the details of the game, but the Sixers had won eight in a row on their home patch. They went in as stronger favourites as you can really get in a two-horse race. And somehow, Brisbane, without their without their test superstars, four of them managed to scrape home for a win. So, it's funny, Smithy, isn't it? This game that we love is often based around high scores and sixes and fours in T20 cricket, yet where it's the close games, like if you look at the scoreboard, you think, oh, they did it easy, but there was some real tension before Nisa hit those four boundaries that you just played in the intro.
2: Yeah, and, and very interesting. Uh, I'll get to Nisa very quickly, but um, what a shame, um, you know, because the interest really came back into the tournament, and particularly on the back of the sixes with Steve Smith, that the big boys just couldn't quite hang around long enough to play in the final.
8: Yeah, uh, and it's scheduling, you know, we know how it works. But I, I was there two Saturday nights ago when Smith scored his second hundred in a row. Um and smithy that's a good innings that i've seen um in t20 cricket he was unbelievable obviously you know with, with the test taking precedence so it was a shame that the test boys weren't there but for brisbane to be able to put that out on the park and get that done last night at a mark well they'll have a massive challenge you know i'm about to jump in a, in a plane and go uh in the airport now to head off to perth where it's meant to be 37 degrees so be, you couldn't get a more different wicket but, Um, they're going to be facing but yeah well done to Brisbane but the Sixers will be bitterly disappointed They they won 10 games throughout the home and away whereas Brisbane won six but you know a couple of performances swing it and that's what happened last night my friend
2: yeah that's what happened gee that Nisa's a good cricketer he must be desperately unlucky not to it just shows the depth of, of Australian quick bowlers really um because Michael Nisa is he'd make most sides around the world yeah
8: and he was fantastic last night and he spoke to to Gilly pre-game and he spoke about the fact without Marnus and, and Renshaw there and obviously the people's champ Kowaja that the senior players needed to step up. Now you expected that to be with the ball but the ball didn't really swing and it was all about the, the slow bowlers but to come out there I think the second top score was Dan Hughes with 23 to make 48 off 30 odd rocks and win the game with the bat just shows you how good he is. And, and like uh, New Zealand, mate, we figured out which of the South Africans are good and we tempt them over here like Marnus and uh, and hold on to them, as you guys have done very well too.
2: Right, Howie, uh, let's uh, get uh, on to the Border Gavaskar Gavaska coming up as well, uh, one of the Ooh. great trophies in world cricket. Man, that is a mouth-watering prospect coming up. Yeah,
8: it is, and it comes in a great time zone, especially here in Australia. I think it's 2.30, Smithy. So uh, I'm heading off to – I'm going to Costa Rica next week to go uh, for a surf. So I haven't figured out where our Costa Rica <laughs> brothers are showing it, but I'm sure it'll be somewhere. They're not renowned cricket lovers, but I know Mark War's going over. He leaves on Tuesday. Um, the Aussies are already there. There was a bit of a visa issue with Usman Khawaja, but it's – it's funny, isn't it? Where you know I grew up, Australia, England, the Ashes, Australia, England, the Ashes, and then early 2000s the Border-Gavaskar sort of moved into importance, and now it's as um, anticipated a series, especially with the time zone. So it's going to be a cracker. Um, Australia haven't won there since the great Gilly captain was back in 2004. Do you reckon they can get it done, or do you think the spin of the Indians will eventually prevail?
2: I think they'll doctor the, uh, the pitchers to their liking, um, particularly if they don't have a lot of confidence in their pace attack. Um, I, I think you'll be facing a barrage of spin, which is going to put a lot of heat on two or three players in particular. And it's going to see for me, I mean, one of the players to me of the summer for you was Travis Head, uh, notoriously uh, not so good against spin. This is going to be a real test, I think, for your middle order.
8: Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I'm not sure the test will go five days. Talking to Junior last night, he's been canny though. He's done a deal where he gets paid per test, not per day, Smithy. So if it's a two day, he still gets a full five day whack. That's that's the genius of Mark War and those listening. That that's the type of thing you need to think about when you're heading off on these overseas commentary tours as to in the, the contract. Because especially in Nagpur, I don't I don't think we're getting a five day. Uh, I think. I think we could be in for something special from Steve Smith. though, You saw him over the summer. You saw what he did in the big bash with that refined technique where he can access the ball more on the offside. I, you know, I think it could be a crowning glory for Steve Smith. I think he's that good and he's in such good form and he'll be so determined. I can't wait to see him face the Indian spinners. It's going to be one of the test battles of the year, no doubt.
2: Well, you interviewed him during a rain break in Sydney. I'll, I'll never forget this because he was so disappointed he got out after making 100 because he yeah. wanted to practice for India from that point yeah. onwards in terms of his technique. I mean, how um, how seriously and how um, how smaller uh, window does he have when it comes to that kind of thinking about his game because he's so precise i mean imagine practicing in the middle of a test match uh, once you've got to 100 to try a different technique that you might use in future test matches
8: it's extraordinary isn't it and i think that shows that the truly top of their tree can think i, I um spent my early years working on formula one smithy and michael schumacher was a gun driver. But when you listen to the radio, he had enough mental capacity to start directing the team as to strategy. And when they took put shot pit stops and which tyres they should go for, because he was so good at what he did, he had spare mental capacity. And I reckon that Smithy, mate, he, it was extraordinary when he said that. As you say, he's going to practice a different technique on a different wicket to prepare for India. I, I think that's because he's so on top of his game. And he doesn't need all his mental faculties that mere mortals at test level need to be able to concentrate on batting. So, yeah, I, I, that shows the genius of the man. I think my man too, Usman Kawaja, I think uh, I think he could be in for something special as well, Smithy, he's, he's had a big summer, named the Alan Border Test Player of the Year for Australia in the, in the um, Test Team of the Year. So he'll need big runs as well at the top of the order.
2: One of the great things that uh, you bring to cricket coverage, um, and, and it's, it's something that a, a lot of broadcast partners around the world would love to have, is uh, your relationship with the players, um, your access to the players. How do you manage that? How how do you? I mean, you know, you talk to players in in pretty vital situations. I mean, who would ever think you could fr- fly a camera down in a drinks break, and a guy who's seventy five not out could talk to Mark Howard. Uh, about how things are going out there. I mean, how do you, how have you managed to bring these relationships into coverage?
8: Thanks, Meneer. I appreciate that. I think one, the technology to have the ability to do it, but I think two, sort of five years, especially working with the with the Australian team alongside them, um, just being genuine and being positive. You know, as someone that hasn't played the game um, at, at a level where any of you superstars have. Uh, I can just be positive. I don't have to say anything critical. So you're positive. It's not my job to critique them. It's just to talk about what's happening. So just to foster that relationship, be positive around them and always champion them, whether they're Australians or Kiwis or um, South Africans, just celebrate them as truly wonderful athletes. And I think I think that goes a long way. And the, and the touring teams come out and you need to establish a relationship quickly. But I think that they see that, that you're positive and that you're not asking awkward questions or you're not casting doubts on performance you're just going from a positive angle and you're genuinely interested in what they do and how they do it and then the touring teams jump on board that as well but it's certainly um, a privileged position to be in um, and I don't take it lightly but as you say with with Fox to have the ability to, to float down and talk to a batsman on 70 not out or or speak to a West Indian in the warm-up when he's in the slips cordon and be able to wander over there and have a smile on your face and have a crack at it. It's um, it's a fantastic, fantastic part of the job. But uh, to summarise it, Smithy, I think positivity goes a long, long way in life and, and in sports coverage.
2: Yeah, totally agree. Um, you've nailed it, I've got to say. And uh, on this side of the Tasman, we would be most jealous of uh, the way you're able to go about it, Howie. Uh, which brings me to the big break, which is uh, the lunchtime show that you host, <laughs> and your relation- your relationship with the great man, the great Kerry O'Keefe, the skull. What a genius! Yeah, he is,
8: um, and you and him combined nicely this year, um, and you really brought the octogenarians into the broadcast, which I think is fantastic. <laughs> uh, on, on your age level, you you actually like the two Muppets that used to dominate uh, up in the top and look down, Stadler and Waldorf, but it, it's a joy, isn't it? Again, again, again that show, mate, um, I grew up watching a very, very different lunch show, but I've always thought that we are in the entertainment business, and that there's a lot of... Options, you know, you can watch Netflix or you can watch Amazon or you can watch other things on. You can watch other sports. So I think we've always tried to provide something a little bit different on the big break. And you and Kerry are different. Who'd thought two really old, washed-up blokes had actually become a hit? But you have. So, so I think I think it's credit to, to you too. Um, but in all seriousness, Skull, um, he he is a genius. He he's a comedian, cricket analyst, and there there aren't many of those floating around. The only other One I can think of on his sort of par is David bumble Lloyd, who I haven't had the privilege of working with. But to to sit there um, with you and Kerry and just see the delight in your face and and you're laughing and having a good time in a in a test match lunch break. It um it does fill me with joy, mate. Oh, Kath just walked past, so I don't know why she burnt you for that interview, Smithy, But she's just walked past, and Gilly's not far away. So you should try them in a moment. You might be able to get hold of the real superstars.
2: No, I, I need ratings. I need ratings. Uh, I don't want Kath. Uh, I, I I don't want Gilly. I I, I need ra- I need I need ratings. If you could pass that on. Uh, I I'll tell you what. If they know you're talking to me, they'll keep walking past on the chance that they might get a word in. But it's not going to happen uh, i can promise you that uh <laughs> well, look uh, the other thing uh, that is um of interest to me too is uh the howie games of course uh, howie that you're synonymous with this is probably the most popular podcast maybe in the southern hemisphere i don't know maybe in the bloody world but um hell, it's been so it's so it's so damn successful man um, that uh, you're finally getting some return out of it. What are you, what have you got coming up in terms of the Howie Games and prospect? Who would you really like to get?
8: Well, the next podcast that comes out the Howie Games, you can get it anywhere. It's a lot of sort of athletes. The next podcast is Pat Cummins. So I, I'm in Coogee now, Smitty, a spot you know well. You know the hotel well. I sat down with Pat a week and a half ago as he was getting ready to go to India. Um, and I love everything about him because... He's he's a man that has the courage of his convictions, Smitty, but he's also got the courage to put them out there in a public sphere, whether it's backing his own teammates when everything was happening with Justin Langer and he was getting criticised by former players or whether it's talking about the environment and using his celebrity, for want of a better term, to shine a light um, on, on where he's at and what his views are. So Pat Cummins next, then Lauren Jackson, who is a legendary Australian basketballer who, for mine, for the listeners that aren't aware... I reckon's pulled off one of the, if not the greatest, comeback in the history of Australian sport to come back six years retired and all of a sudden be playing for the Australian Opals again. But the one, Smitty, and and you're connected, so maybe you can help me. Um, after announcing his second retirement, um, Tom Brady would be handy, mate. It took me four years to get Kelly Slater on the show, my sporting hero, alongside Alan Border. Um, but uh, I don't know, SCN New Zealand, have you got a number for Tom Brady? Because oh, he'd be outstanding. So um, anything there in the, in the little Smitty phone book or not?
2: Well, I can't put it over publicly because everyone'll be ringing Tom. But I, I do think <laughs> I might have uh, something for you there. I do. I know a bloke who's got a uh, who had a photo with him recently. So maybe there's a connection <laughs> there. We'll see what we'll see, we'll see what we can do. Um, uh, you know. Just finally, why do they laugh at skulls jokes over there and not mine?
8: Uh, there's only a very simple summation and explanation I can give you that, Smitty. That's because skulls jokes are funny and yours are real lowbrow, low-rent, unfunny material. So, uh, uh, you know, I hate to say it, great man, but he's funny and you're not.
2: And, you know, I used to like Nathan Lyon as well, but the pair of you can go and get whatever. Well... <laughs> 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 Well, for those that aren't aware,
8: Skull tells jokes in 15 seconds and they're real crisp. And then and then Smithy told a joke about Juventus and Zebra that, that he can tell you on this radio show, but it'll go over three breaks. So that might slow you down a little bit. And Nathan did critique it and didn't think it was that good. But, Smithy, maybe in the next hour of the show, you can run that joke out over three or four segments and see if you get a better reception. Maybe it was lost in translation between Australia and New Zealand.
2: I think they're calling that, uh, that flight to Perth, Howie. I hope you. I I'd hate to think that. You're, I'd hate to think you're sitting in business class, really. Well,
8: I am. I am. But if you tell that joke, I'll miss my flight by forty-five minutes. I reckon.
2: <laughs> <laughs> love talking to you, mate. Uh, I, I, absolutely, yeah. But I, I, I love working with you more. Uh, you're, I, I, I think you're a bloody genius, myself, anyway. So, hey, great to catch up, mate. And uh, hopefully, we'll do it again soon, eh?
8: Thanks, Millie. And just before you do hang up, um, I told you over the summer, and I hope. I know people understand in New Zealand the genius of you in broadcasting and you're my favourite cricket commentator and I think you're the best in the world and the other thing I wanted to say is a shout out to everyone in Auckland, I, I saw those pictures last week and hopefully everyone's getting back and safe and into their homes and um, and the rain stays away for a bit longer but uh, good on you mate, you're an absolute superstar and thanks for finally after me pestering you for six months getting me on your show I'll send you the invoice tomorrow <laughs>
2: <laughs> I know you will, I know you will <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Howie, no, uh, thanks mate, uh, fly safely a big hello to gilly and nothing at all for calf thanks mate cheers right i'll let him know see you mate Ch- cheers boy uh, it's mark howard absolute brilliant bloke uh, you know aside from uh, aside from commentary i'd, I'd uh, really uh, love to meet i'd love to be just around him as a friend he is a terrific company uh, enthusiastic positive The glass isn't half full for Howie, it is overflowing every day, I promise you. Uh, He just enjoys everything about life. He's got a great family, got a couple of great kids called uh, Pickle and the Penguin. Uh, They surf with him, he plays cricket in the backyards, he takes his son to cricket, he takes immense pride in what they're doing. I mean, he's just a bloody good bloke. That's Mark Howard, and it's 9.48
1: and are experts in agriculture, covering your equipment,
0: parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in our Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Alright, a multi for the weekend, the Melbourne victory to draw with the Phoenix. So that's a $3.50 pipe opener there, the victory and the Phoenix to draw. The Stags to beat the Brave at uh, Ford Trophy cricket at a dollar ninety. The Stags to beat the Brave, and the Perth Wildcats to beat the Cairns Taipans and do the Breakers yet another favour as well at, at, uh, in the process. A dollar fifty five. So that multi's up at three fifty times a dollar ninety times a dollar fifty five. Ten dollars thirty. Ten dollars thirty. How cool would that be? Ten dollars thirty for the weekend multi. Uh, All the very best with that. Dylan Boucher coming up to us after the break. He is the CEO, of course, of New Zealand Basketball.
0: With Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: It is 10.03 here on SENZ and the Breakers are staying the course right now in their quest to clinch that all-important second seed for the ANBL finals. That would see them bypass the playing round and go straight through to the semi-finals with a home court advantage. Really important that. But that's not the only exciting thing going on right now in Kiwi basketball. Earlier this week, Basketball New Zealand announced that their TV deal with ESPN has been extended for a further two years after a successful showing the past three With us now is the boss himself, part of those negotiations, CEO and Kiwi basketball icon, Dylan Boucher. Dylan, good morning to you.
9: Good morning, Smithy. How are you?
2: I'm damn good. I I would imagine you're pretty good too, uh, sealing a deal with uh, a television network like ESPN or resealing it. That's cool news.
9: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for us, um, the exposure of our leagues is certainly um, very, very important, not only just to showcase the talent down here but also to, to grow the product uh, for us being able to be um, basically worldwide now with our league is, is something that we're obviously super proud of and, and something that we want to continue uh, from now on out.
2: Well television companies deal on numbers and um, particularly when it comes to viewership um, so I would imagine it's, it's going pretty well in the US and, and places like Puerto Rico.
9: Yeah, it, uh, it seems to be. I mean, we have obviously have a lot of American import players playing down here, and you know they've obviously got a lot of family back home. But what we're finding more and more is we're seeing college scouts are tuning into these games and watching our young talent coming through um, to see you know, if they can find a diamond in the rough down in New Zealand. And you know, we're finding more and more people are tuning in and having respect for our league, which is exactly what we want.
2: Also, of course, uh, I suppose that uh, makes it more appealing for those young American uh, basketballers too that come this way uh, looking to get uh, notoriety because the, the chances of them doing that have uh, increased by being on TV in New Zealand, ironically.
9: Oh, absolutely. I think any time um, you know you can get more exposure for players, um, it's attractive to them. And you know, coming down this side of the world, whether it's New Zealand or Australia, it gives them a good opportunity to see a different part of the world but more importantly get some exposure Um, and our leagues are are both very well televised and you know having the CSPN deal now for us to be able to have these going directly back to the US it does open doors up a player like Tory Craig who played for the Wellington Saints and is now a regular player in the NBA is you know just one example of you know players that can go from from our league and then go across and uh, end up playing back in the NBA.
2: What about viewership numbers uh, here at home? How um, How's it going on Sky?
9: Yeah, they're going through the roof. Um, to be honest, our, our growth, uh, both in the numbers playing the game but also the people that are consuming the game are continuing to, to grow and continuing to spike. And, you know, we've had record numbers uh, through through Sky uh, this last past season and we expect those numbers to continue to grow. And we had... You know, we were fortunate enough to have some games live on Prime and 3D television as well. And so that's a that's a big coup for us to be able to have some, you know, some Prime television viewing um, time.
2: We always ask you, you this question, which uh, I would imagine the viewership um, is quite a young viewership as well, because um, it, that sort of transforms into player numbers as, uh, you know, throughout the country, which um, my understanding is they just go from strength to strength too.
9: Yeah, we're continuing to grow. I mean, uh, to be honest, we're we, we're at a growth stage now where we're just seeing that continual curve upwards, uh, which is fantastic. And we're starting to to run into the problem, and I think I've had this conversation with you before. We're starting to run into this problem with facilities because we're we're running out of gym space. You know, where every every association I speak to is talking about you know the the groundswell of basketball and how they can't keep up with the growth because of the stadiums just not big enough, and you know the ones that have you know, 8, 12-court facilities are chock a block for, you know, just about the whole week. So it's a good problem to have, um, and we're putting more and more hoops outside so kids can continue to play the game. Uh, but it is going to be a continued problem with the growth of the game.
2: Well, it's three-on-three, three and street basketball then becomes a viable option too, I suppose, is it?
9: Yeah, three. I mean, 3X3 is now an Olympic sport, so, you know, I think you're going to see more and more kids really focusing, probably like you've seen a lot in sevens. You know, you're going to see people that are really focused on, that, that side of the game and you know for us there's huge growth for the 3x3 space and you know I know for even my own children they love kids love playing 3x3 you touch the ball more it's faster um, and the game's only 10 minutes long so you can get it you know you can have a quick game uh, and it's over and done with within 10 minutes.
2: Right uh, good news also um, you lost uh, Hugh Bain and of course uh, he's moved on Hugh um, uh, he'll never leave basketball but he's moved on in his role so you've announced a, a new uh, general manager of the leagues in comes uh, Marie Taylor who's been involved with basketball in New Zealand for nearly 20 years um, how did you settle on Marie?
9: Yeah obviously um, Hugh, Hugh was, uh, was a big loss and we wish Hugh well and did a great job um, in his time with us and like you say he'll never be he'll never leave basketball and always be around and, and still be part of our commentary team and but being able to elevate Marie into the role, Marie was uh, operations um, head of operations, basically for the for the leagues, and uh, and and did a lot of uh, um, the heavy lifting, I guess, you lo- if you like to say. And she she was the obvious choice. We were when we started talking about replacing Hugh, her name just kept coming up all the time. And she's again, she's been part of Basketball New Zealand for a long, long time. Probably has the you know, the highest IP of, of anyone in the business and, and understands every part of the business. So to have her now lead uh, our leagues team is something we're pretty excited about. Um, she certainly has is, uh, is, is risen to the challenge and just from the short time watching her operate, um, she's doing a fantastic job already and with no doubt she's going to be a fantastic asset to the leagues team uh, to be able to lead that group.
2: In your own role, uh, Dylan, I just wonder how much busier you've got within you know, because of the increased interest, the increased playing numbers, the, the demand on facilities etc. Have you noticed uh, within your own role uh, a, a big increase?
9: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I kind of thought, you know, stupidly thought at the start of the year I was going to ease into the year and, and kind of it would slowly pick up as the tournament started but it's it started with a hiss and a roar um, in a good way, in a positive way and you know we've got um as i said we've got problems but a lot of them are positive problems because of the growth of the game it's been able to ensure we're keeping up with the growth of the game both with um facilities with um our commercial commerciality of our of our products being able to make sure we were able to fund a lot of the 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 things we're running out in the communities and supporting associations to be able to deliver on you know what they what they need to deliver on and us, we we like I say, we love the fact that our sport is continuing to grow. Um, and it does mean everyone within Basketball New Zealand is very busy and everyone within our associations is very busy. But we know as a sport, uh, if we continue to grow and, and we continue to match it commercially and um, and with funding, we'll be able to continue to really flourish as a sport.
2: Right, which includes, of course, uh, Taui'i Basketball Aotearoa, which was immensely successful last year. A lot of coverage, uh, good numbers attending the games, Um, and uh, now moving into uh, another growth year.
9: Yeah, I mean, obviously year two we want to go bigger and better, and we want to make sure that year one was a fantastic success, and, um, you know, we've obviously... Been fortunate enough with great support uh, through GJ Gardner that have you know been able to really push this league to new levels, and also our support from Sky Sports. So we are very, very grateful that we've got some fantastic supporters of the women's game. Um, we're I'm already hearing you know um, you know rumours about players going to teams, and you know like there's all all the rumour mills already started about which players are going to be playing where, and it's exciting for us that. You know, these we're seeing a lot of our top players coming home and playing in front of their home fans, and you know, and just absolutely loving it. Seeing the smiles on, you know, our female athletes' faces after games, and that we've got a league for them. Um, it's a high-level league, and you know, certainly you know, I was fortunate enough to be at the at the final down in Nelson, and the standard of play is is extremely high, and the highest it's ever been in New Zealand uh, for women's basketball. So we know that will continue to rise. We've seen some of our youngsters that have gone from playing for those teams and now gone off to Division One college scholarships. And we're going to start seeing those girls coming back um, from college scholarships and joining these Toehi teams uh, to make the league even stronger.
2: Incredible performance last night, Dylan, uh, from the Breakers. Uh, they really kicked into gear at half-time to overcome quite a big deficit. Um, and they are progressing really cool, which is uh, obviously uh, it's so cool for basketball to have a, you know a, a flagship like that.
9: Yeah, I mean, the Breakers, I mean, people have been accustomed to the Breakers having success, so it's been a few dire years, um, you know, sitting at the bottom of the table. But what Modi's done with this group you now is incredible. And, you know, he's got a good balance of, you know, good Kiwi players and um, some Australian talent and then some really good imports. And, you know, I was watching the game last night thinking, you know, they were having a down game and then they just flicked the switch and, and took over the game. And, you know, and by the end of, the, if you'd looked at just the end score, you would have thought they were comfortable throughout the whole game. And, they certainly looked under, pump, under the pump at one stage, but they do have another gear they can go to, and that's what good teams have. They have players that can go to another gear, and you know, as a team, they can go to another gear and just team is able to do that. And they've done it, you know, against the best teams in the league. And this is the business end of the season. They have got one more game to go, and then they'll hit the playoffs. So once they hit the playoffs, it's about finding that gear and uh, being able to do it consistently, um, night in and night out, to be able to go right through to the, to the you know the final stage where you're cutting down the nets.
2: Yeah, well cutting down the net would be good. Um, the other subject I'd like to talk to you about is uh, the retiring of numbers. Of course yours is retired, number twenty four. Uh Polly out uh, thirty two, CJ Bruton's twenty three. Uh, who would you think might be next in that line?
9: Yeah, there's a I mean there's a there's a whole bunch of people. I mean Micah Vicona's the obvious one, is someone who's already retired. Um, you know, Micah was instrumental and Um, and being a big part of those breakers' successful years and and a big part of, you know, turning around the culture of the breakers. And, you know, another one is a Tom Abercrombie, you know, obviously still playing, but, you know, he can't have many years left in those legs. And, you know, when he finally decides it's time for him to retire, um, you know, he's someone that would definitely um, see his his jersey hanging from the rafters. So, like I say, there's been some, you know, even look at a guy like Alex Pledger, who was a big part of um, championship runs, um, that, that, you know, has been unfortunate to have a bout of um cancer and, and has gone through it he's out the other side now but someone who's been in- instrumental in a lot of those championship years and then you start you you list those down you have current players that are still playing your corey websters you know people like that that have been big part of of these championship years uh so there's it's there is a criteria um that, that you know that the office staff will need to look at and And go through and and who meets that criteria Um, and I know certainly there's been some people that have been really instrumental in doing some great things for the breakers and their jersey may not ever end up hanging from the rafters but Mm -hmm. doesn't make Mm -hmm. them any less uh, valuable to what they were in the successful years
2: Always uh, great to catch up with you, uh, Dylan. Nice to know that things are still progressing on a very much a forward wave uh, within your sport and uh, the announcement of a a new GM and uh, those television rights. Extremely successful period for you. Congratulations on that uh, and we'll stay in touch.
9: Thanks, Billy. Appreciate it, mate. Always good to chat.
2: Yeah, cheers, Uh, Dylan Boucher there, uh, basketball legend, of course, but now basketball CEO. Um, He is the big boss, and the appointment of uh, Murray Taylor is an exciting one. And yes, those television rights with ESPN. Imagine New Zealand sport being beamed around the world on ESPN. How damn cool is that? It is uh, coming up to 10.16, and it's uh, just about panel time, and this morning it might be a bit feisty. Uh, Lavina Good and Mark Watson, they don't mind an opinion or two, I promise
10: you. In general have been denied there. They're not allowed to marry, they're not allowed to divorce, they're not allowed to travel, they're not allowed to get a job, they're not allowed to have surgery without permission from their male guardians. And I see FIFA are really desperate to try and get lots of numbers from women playing football um, out of this World Cup that's being held in the Southern Hemisphere for the first time. And they've got a target of 60 million, which they would like to hit. But in terms of bringing in this sponsorship deal from Saudi Arabia, it would actually put me off watching the tournament because I don't support it whatsoever. I said Amnesty's come out as well and um, put their two boots in and said that it's um, horrible to even consider the sponsorship. The politicians are now shipping in from both parties here in New Zealand. And I just feel as though that pressure has to really be put on FIFA. We we know, guys, money talks in all sport, especially football. I mean, you just have to look at Qatar to know that it speaks in football. But in terms of the reputation of this tournament um, and the football firms being proud rainbow status team, it doesn't sit very pretty with me at all, and I hope it does not go ahead.
2: Yeah, this is an amazing uh, thing, this, Mark. You know, uh, 2018, women, um, they're pushing all of of a sudden, women were not even allowed to go to football matches until 2018 uh, in Saudi Arabia. That's uh, quite incredible.
11: Yeah, look, and it's all pretty draconian. It's all in the name of religion too, isn't it? It's, um, yeah, it, it, it's a very archaic system that they have in Saudi Arabia. And look, any time you go and get sponsorship on board, you're wanting to try and get the right fit. What is the story we're trying to tell? And what is that synergy? Now, let's go to the marketplace and find similar organisations, businesses that have a um, a very similar philosophy or whose customer base reaches that target audience. I mean, that's basic sort of uh, sports marketing 101 uh, with this one. But look, I mean, this is FIFA. This is an organisation who awarded the World Cup to Qatar, and we know there are human rights issues, particularly around um, gay rights, particularly. Where I struggle with this one is a little bit where government and politicians start getting involved. Saudi Arabia is our 24th biggest export trading partner $760 million a year we export to Saudi Arabia. So I find that all a little bit hypocritical. It's okay on a business use to deal with them, but hey, we'll take the moral high ground and we'll virtual signal and we'll get behind this both politically, uh, whether you sit on the left or the right. And I think look, I'm in agreement with lavina completely here this should not go ahead but then at the same time you've also got to be careful i mean you'll be aware of the caste system that exists in india and that's basically some sort of form of apartheid over there with their basically their class system and women i'm not sure necessarily are treated particularly well over there but we don't have any problems in cricket teams we don't have any problem with our players making millions off that we have no problem with china yet you look at the racial cleansing that's trying to go on with the Weigar community, or the Uyghurs over there in that part of China. So where does all this stop? And I just think we've got to be a little bit careful politically that you know we're consistent across the board. Um, I think it's different for sports organisations and sports fans to step up, but when government tried to do it, I find it a little bit insincere, and I find it just a little bit hypocritical.
2: Okay, uh, good points of be on you. We get the, we get them from uh, you two this morning. Um, but, but, The other thing of interest, uh, Mark, I'll let you have first crack at this as well, is that uh, New Zealand football have been under the gun, I think it's fair to say, that hasn't come out well publicly. Uh, Their relationship with Danny Hay, uh, of course, was uh, well and truly publicised and the fact they couldn't retain him or he wanted to go. uh, And now uh, all that time has uh, passed. We think we've got a... Uh, a final announcement on uh, our next uh, All Whites coach, and uh, he didn't want the job in the first place. This is—is uh, is this a little bit ugly? A little bit silly?
11: It is a little bit silly, but it's also just the reasons why Danny Hay left, isn't there? There's no international feature. There doesn't seem to be a lot of emphasis on the men's game. There uh, seems to be a lot of emphasis on the women's game, and that's understandable with the Women's World Cup coming up, but the women aren't winning. Um, and so that, that, that that's, you sort of go, well, OK, hang on a minute. Maybe we do need to start sort of throwing back some towards the men here a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, who wants the job? You, you don't know when you're actually going to be performing. What... what What's actually on the line here? I mean, playing games in Oceania uh, to try and qualify for a World Cup, which we're going to qualify for anyway with 48 teams. Um, yeah, look, you just sort of sense with New Zealand football, a little bit like New Zealand rugby, that they just lack some real leadership at the top here. They just they just seem to be very wishy-washy, don't they? And it just seems to be all a little bit too... Um, Oh, yeah, what's the word? Just, just just, a little bit too broad and maybe just too many committee meetings and too much wishful thinking. You know, should never let Danny Hay go in the first place. And there's clearly a reason for that. And probably Danny Hay will give you the reasons for it. And part of the reason why perhaps we can't get people like John Herdman on board. But you're yeah, not good enough. I mean, this is a big, big sport in this country. Huge for both girls and boys and for men and women. And you need leadership. I'd argue that at a grassroots level, it's almost bigger than rugby. And yet we just can't seem to quite get it right ever, can we? I mean, the turnover of coaches we've had in the last, what, four or five years, it's always a sign. Anytime you see a high staff turnover, it's always a sign that the organisation um, is in trouble. And as I say normally, you know, it's the old saying, isn't it? A, a, a fish rots from the head down.
2: Mm, fish rots from the head down. like it. I like it. Uh, Lavina, where do you sit on this?
10: He would have been great. John Herdman would have been fantastic. He's done wonders for Canada. Honestly, wonders. But um, he was one of five candidates, put his hand up for the job, got the job, then said he didn't want to come due to personal reasons. So a bit of a conundrum now for New Zealand football. They have to go back and maybe see if the Wellington Phoenix coach, Talay, is interested. And he's already come out and said, don't come back. I'm not interested. You didn't pick me first time round so I'm not going to put my hand up second time round. So they're really in limbo at the moment. I totally agree with Watto. There's a lack of leadership there, which stems from the top and can trickle down to the bottom, and they need to get that stuff sorted. But step number one, they need to find an international coach that can do the job, and at the moment there's not too many people putting their hands up for it. So, yeah, yeah, trickling waters at the moment, I think, for New Zealand football.
2: Okay. uh, We'll take an early break here, a a quick break. We'll go to the... um uh, Ottawa with the news, and when we come back, um, it's it must be uh, rugby league, rugby, uh, rugby union stage of the season. are you know, very close because uh, guess who's in the headlines? Roger Shek, Lavina Good might have something to say about that. Uh, we'll go to the news first.
3: Big talk, big opinions, the panel.
0: Talk, talk there, talk to me, yeah.
2: Mark Watson with us this morning, as is Lavina Good. This is part two of the panel, and part two is going to be headlined by um, the rumours around Roger Vasa shek Is he actually considering a move back to Australia, or is this muck raking and stirring on the other side of the Tasman? Lavina Good, it's all yours.
10: I struggle saying his name because Roger and I broke up, actually. He did the dirty on me, went behind my back, didn't do anyone, went to the dark side, and uh, now, after starting just once for the All Blacks against Japan, I think he's only played 19 minutes of football for the All Blacks. You hear from former international Brian Fletcher talking about maybe two of Shek will be considered for the Chooks, if not this year, then definitely next year, depending on whether or not he'll get that call-up for the all black. So we all know Geordie Barrett's the one with the number 12 on his jumper. So that's got to be in the back of um, Roger Tuivasa-Shek's mind. And the way I see it, he'll end up like Wendell Saylor, Lottie Takedi, Matt Rogers and Sam Burgess. They all had a little taste of rugby. All decided to come back to the greatest game of all. But sorry, Rog, you and I are never, ever, ever getting back together. I'm telling you, I'm
2: telling you, we are... Well, it's a shame. Relationship-wise, it's a real shame. Um, Mark Watson, I'm not sure you were... Were you ever that close to Roger in the first place?
11: Well, Love Socks to Midnight with Lavina. Well, (laughs) Look, I actually, from a very... did the first couple of years of college 1st sixteen rugby for Sky and I was very lucky to interview Roger Tuibas probably the first television interview he ever did, he was captain of Otahu College and we basically had to talk him through how to just answer a couple of questions for us. And I remember him playing De La Salle, and the sidestep was just incredible. And I said to Keith Quinn at the time, that's the best sidestep I've probably seen since Tanarumanga. Um, he was just a sensation. And he went on and played New Zealand schoolboys with the likes of TJ Perinara, um, Alex Hodgman. There were some very, very good boys in that. Um, to Angavasi in that side. And, you know, he played out on the wing. Um, but then he clearly went to rugby league and unfortunately you know he's bulked up a lot he got a lot bigger he probably lost to just a yard of pace and so when he was coming into rugby you're like well where are you going to play him he didn't have the kicking game to play fullback and probably second five eight seems to almost be the default setting for a lot of rugby league players but he look he just hasn't made it he should never have been picked as an all black he was never all black quality it was a little bit of a marketing ploy i mean when you look at some of the New Zealanders that have missed out over the years like James Lowe who's gone and played for Ireland and you sort of see a Roger sheck. you do wonder how they can present, the All Black selectors can present one rationale for one player and then a completely different rationale for the selection of another. Look I think he'd be very lucky to be in All Black Yeah, I just don't think there's a position on the rugby field for him. You know, the only other place he could play is on the wing, and I just don't think he's got the speed. I think he's certainly got the sidestep, but maybe that's where we need to see him in Super Rugby, more out on the wing to see if there is a future. But I certainly can't see him making the World Cup. I certainly can't see him making the World Cup squad. One hell of a rugby league player. That sidestep, I think, is a lot more conducive in league uh, with the way the game is set up defensively um, and, you know, players set up more sort of flat-footed in terms of the defensive lines and stuff so wouldn't surprise me if he goes back um, but he'll always, you know, right or wrong, he'll always be considered a more black so he's played his two tests or whatever it was but um, yeah, no, good luck to him and yeah, I think rugby league's where he's better suited
2: Rugby league's got uh, a few issues to sort through um, Lavina, first of all, would you go would you be going, if it's on still, hopefully it is to the Indigenous game would you, would you be going down there?
10: Yeah, definitely, without a doubt. Rotorua, I'm looking forward to that with an all stars. Yeah, looking forward to that. And the season's just around the corner, and all eyes are on. Actually, we talked about Chooks with Chuba Shake, but I hear Wayne Bennett with the Dolphins might be interested in him as well. And he's got plenty of coin at the moment. Wayne Bennett, the former Brisbane Broncos super coach, that's taking on the Dolphins this year. So rugby league fans have plenty to get excited about. New coach for the Warriors, which is awesome. They needed some fresh blood in there, which will be nice. And they seem to have a squad that will maybe get them into the top eight. That's what it's about. You only have to get in the top half of the competition in the NRL to continue. So I'm really amped for the rugby league season kickoff. And it doesn't matter what team you follow, Smitty, whatever team you support. If you're invested in the game of rugby league, the concept and what they produce in the NRL is so good. It doesn't matter what team you're following. It's all quality there, mate. Absolute quality.
2: Okay, um, that's the other uh, part of the question that I wanted to talk to you about, Lavina. Is the CBA collective bargaining agreement uh, centred around uh, the NRLW? Uh, do you see this being sorted in time?
10: I don't know if it'll be sorted in time, and I I, I really feel for some of these um, female rugby league players that would like to have these contracts. Um, done and dusted before the season kicks off and I understand the collective uh, bargaining tool coming in in terms of supporting those female players but the game is certainly growing in, in popularity in a country where 15 years ago there was no support for women's rugby league whatsoever and now the NRLW is certainly drawing a lot of attention from rugby league pundits all over Australia and New Zealand I know they're working tirelessly on it at the moment with their, um, with their team managers and players associations, but I'm just not too sure whether or not it will be sorted before the start of the season, which is absolutely absurd. I mean, if we were talking about the men's game and the collective bargaining agreements and contracts not being signed before kickoff, everyone would be up in arms about it. So yeah, let's hope that they get some pen on paper, the contracts are done, and uh, we start paying our female sports people exactly what they're worth, because there is entertaining is what you would like them to be and you should get paid what you were so let's hope that that gets developed soon
2: mark watson how about dem breakers big uh, comeback win last night looking good
11: yeah, look, I um, took my son, actually, to the last home game for the Breakers um, in Melbourne a-, a week ago. And I've got to say, what a wonderful entertainment package that is. I mean, boy, they do it well. I mean, one of the big criticisms in this country is often the whole game day experience. Um, you know, they describe Eden Park as sort of a cemetery with chips at times. And, you know, going into grounds, you sort of feel like you're going through sort of customs in Singapore uh, because you might have a salad roll or a bottle of water on you. And it's not, it's not the most friendly environment. But look, it's it's great. Look, it's just great for basketball in this country, isn't it? I've got to say, I was very lucky when I was living in Canada that I saw a lot of NBA games. And I hadn't actually been to a Breakers game for a while. I was really impressed by the standard of both teams, the quality of players. um, And wouldn't it be nice, I think what's now four years since we haven't made the playoffs, we are in the playoffs. We've proven a a couple of weeks earlier that we can beat the might of Sydney in Sydney and We've got some momentum you know they'd probably want to start a little bit better uh, they sort of required a second half rally last night and it required a second half rally to the game I went to but look they're in the fight and um, the great thing with them they've got a great track record away from home as well so yeah look certainly do wish um, certainly do wish the breakers all the very very best it's just such a boom sport basketball isn't it and uh, that was evident by just the fact that um, spark arena w- was sold out for the game that we that we did go to. And and, and you can understand why.
2: Uh, look, uh, I, I, what I look, uh, like about it, uh, we've got a... And basketball's full of these, um, these uh, expressive uh, coaches. Uh, Levina, you know, um, you see them in, in the NBA uh, up and down the sideline. They're part and parcel of the, of the coverage. They're absolutely magnificent. But in Modi Maor, we've got a guy who tends to, and he's not even one of us as such... Wears a very much New Zealand heart on his sleeve.
10: Yeah, he's very emotional. He's great to watch. I love when the camera camera shots come on him. Um, and it was interesting what um, Mark mentioned about how entertaining the live games are. I think they've really cracked that with the breakers. I wanted to mention that as well. Win or lose, and it was only a month ago they lost four in a row. I think, and I thought to myself, they're not going to make they're not going to make the playoffs. for so the fifth year running, they've got no chance. And now, after the 36ers beat the Titans last night, they're in with a chance to come in the top two, which is fabulous. So I think they've got a couple of games um, against the Hawks and the Bullets, and they're at the bottom of the table. So a month ago, I thought they wouldn't make the playoffs. And then two more games, two more victories, and they could secure that one-two finish, which would be really cool for their playoff um, chances. But it's just, it's just... Even with last night's game, when they were trailing by 14 to 16, they actually didn't look like they were going to lose, even though they were behind by so much. So there must be a really good team culture at the moment at the Breakers, and that's reflected mm. in their performance, especially when they're winning, um, and even, in fact, when they're losing, like last night. So the team culture is good, and it would be great for those basketball fans. And there's, there's plenty of people playing basketball at the moment. It's so popular here. The Tottinger Basketball Association is massive here in the Bay of Plenty. And you've got lots of uh, kids, and, and a friend of mine once said, put them on a court and keep them out of court. And I think that resonates with lots of people when it comes to getting getting youngsters to play basketball. Keep them focused, give them something to aim for. And, and lots of kids now don't just want to be Stephen Adams, they actually want to play for the Breakers, which is awesome.
2: Love that. I love that saying. Um, I might use that at some stage if it's not trademarked by you. Um, the yeah. other thing, uh, Lavina which is uh, dear to your heart because it's only about uh, 13 days away is the first Test match uh, against England, and it's at your beloved uh, Bay Oval. And uh, Interesting. I, I honestly didn't think Cole Jamieson would make the first Test squad. I didn't think he would have had enough bowling, but there he is and poised to play.
10: I'm amped. I love my Test cricket, Smitty. Uh, I live for it, actually. I live for it, live for it. So I'm so excited that... Not only the Poms are coming, but we get to watch them here at um, Bay Oval. I'm really happy for Cole Jamison. I know he's only had a a couple of game warm-up games for Auckland, and I kept an eye on him. He had full run-up for those. And apparently that injury that he picked up in Nottingham last June, I think it was, is just about fully recovered. So that's great news for him and Coach Steed so that they can look to the future, especially with Trent Bolt not playing. I'm also really glad Matt Henry's in the squad as well. I like him. He's a solid player. He just brings something solid to the um, black caps which I like. But we're talking about a black cap side somebody that hasn't had a win from their last six Test outings, taking on McCullum and Stokes who have won nine of their ten Test matches. So I'm really amped to watch the Poms play as well. I watched that third one day against South Africa. Where um, England is three, four, seven, and Jofra Archer. Oh my goodness, how fast can that bowl? Oh, He's like lightning. Honestly, just to see that with your own eyes is going to be outstanding. So yeah, less than two weeks to go, buddy, and I'll be there at Fay Oval, the most magnificent cricketing oval in Aotearoa.
2: He's a spinner compared to the West Indies of the eighties, Lavina. Promise you that, a spinner, <laughs> just an off-spinner. Just an off spinner. And uh, as we say goodbye uh, and thank you very much to Mark Watson and Lavina Good this morning for being participants on the panel. Just reminding you, Roger tuovasa that you've uh, burnt something very, very special. Very special.
1: in agriculture covering
0: your equipment, parts and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ
2: uh, Right, we've got some text coming in on the temper bed post text machine. Mikey. Uh, hi, Ian. What a breath of fresh air regarding your interview with the Head of Basketball New Zealand, Dylan Boucher, of course. Uh, after the absolute deadhead communications and decisions by New Zealand rugby, cricket and football, it's great to hear an organisation with their house in order. They certainly do, and they've got a sport that is going forward at 100 miles an hour, and as you heard from uh, Dylan, they're struggling struggling to keep up uh, with the growth of the sport and I love that uh, saying from uh, Lavina Good too, give them a court, keep them out of court. Um, applies to a lot of uh, junior sport around our country as well, and a lot of junior sports men and women. Give them a purpose, give them direction, give them help, um, and it's amazing. It's just amazing um, what direction people will go in. So, and I wonder about that too, with um, you know, all the modern day teaching system or whatever, where uh, I don't think the, the teachers have as much onus on them, uh, maybe they just haven't got the time or whatever that uh, they uh, would have to, with sporting sides. I mean, you know, that, that was, I look back to my, my school days and uh, my sporting coaches were as instrumental in my life as uh, any other teachers that I can mention going forward and uh, I look back for them and thank them very much and I just wonder if uh, that is the case these days. Uh, Stephen has come in and said, "Smithy government not putting Ching Ch- King Charles on the new five-dollar note, being replaced by Eddie Jones." I think that's a very good thing too, a really good thing, um, because uh, I think that's about what he's worth. Uh, to be honest, um, could you? F- oh, we've done that one this morning. Good, um, do that, Howie. Yeah, he is good. It sounds like a You had a ball with him and Skull. Um, had a ball with all of them. Absolutely, all of them. Great relationship with all of them. They're fantastic. Easy to work for really look after you uh, Jared so uh, you can tell I think the product that comes through that everyone's pretty happy in that organisation Could you see if you could get Skull for 10 or 15 minute segment once a week wouldn't that be great Oh, wouldn't that be great uh, Hutchie might have to open up the purse strings for that and then we do have to find out uh, where Skull was available as well but he is a genius um, a washed up old muppet he called me a washed up old muppet didn't he Statler and Waldorf and he uh, Craig's a bit worried that he might not be my friend. Well, he is. He is. No problem at all there. Uh, it's 10.51 here on SENZ.
0: This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Great to join uh, Pip Morris this morning um, on the morning where she's got a very busy afternoon uh, coming up, uh, calling some uh, greyhounds, uh, and uh, we wish all the best for that. Uh, Pip, uh, incidentally, uh, how closely do you have to study the fields for greyhounds?
3: Oh, quite a lot, familiar. It's not so hard if I've been on the Wednesday shift as I'm all over the form already, but I do go each and through every video that they do just to make sure as greyhounds, you know, they can check each other, they can do some unlucky runs. So I try to dive into the form as much as I can to try and provide the winners. And I'm, I'm hoping in race form today, I really like in a space at $2.50, of Cole as a really nice bet. And my other best bet of the weekend too, I will be a Lego Zippy. She's in a latter race. So, yeah, I get quite in, in with the form.
2: Okay, so there's uh, greyhounds at Addington and uh, Palmerston North today and uh, tonight, and and Cambridge on Sunday, so three meetings, very busy indeed, but a lot of sport over the weekend too, Pip.
3: Oh, there certainly is, and I can tell you too. Uh, for today's sport, Wellington Phoenix has been the best bet for tonight at three dollars and twenty cents. So a head-to-head there, and also as a to score, and Phoenix win boosted at six twenty-five is really popular. Can tell you again too, Golden State for the basketball five-team taking a lot of bets head-to-head, and I better tell you about the starbridge today. So maybe, of course, we've got the Waikato Guineas, and Dynastic is taking thirty percent of the turnover in that market. And then Taranaki, we've got a great card there with the cup and Zola Express, the best back, followed by Bella the Ball. Uh, down south, we also have, I could see Guineas, out of Winged 2 and it's Dunedin Guineas. Romancing the Moon has been the best back. it has been a thousand put on her at $2. Uh, sorry, that's been a big bet, but the best back is Betty Spaghetti in that race and the the Fur is in the white robe, 66% of the turnover on the favourite there. Bonus back, Blitz is back and there'll be Power plays and Boosted Odds, so check
10: out those.
2: Thanks very much, Pip. Uh, you have a great uh, day and calling, of course, and uh, a great weekend as well. So let's hope you get uh, the chance to enjoy it. Thank you very much. Sure
3: will.
2: Thank you, Pip. Yep, cheers. Uh, Pip Morris there, yeah, calling uh, the Greyhounds today, which is fantastic. Uh, yes, you did uh, mention uh, uh, Tarapa, very busy and big card today. Nine races beginning at 12.51, so Butcher will have... Those all are con- under control uh, there at the Tarapa Racecourse. And, yes, New Plymouth tomorrow they have uh, three very good races, a two-year-old classic, an Oaks Prelude, and the Taranaki Cup uh, to look forward to. So uh, plenty on there. And, of course, um, the, in race 10, number one, the good oil. The good oil. That's what it's called. Good oil. Um, and uh, we'll have the good oil uh, tomorrow morning on our show, of course. Um, and uh, that'll be uh, of interest. I, I'm led to believe Louis Herman Watt has had his wisdom teeth out, uh, which is always interesting when you talk about people having wisdom teeth out. You sort of assume they have wisdom teeth or wisdom in the first place. Uh, so uh, he's obviously had his out. Uh, they've been a bit pesky and a bit annoying, and he's sitting at home with an ice bag all, all around his mm-hmm. jaw, uh, but is hoping to be a fit and available for us over the weekend. So, Louie, uh, all the very best there with uh, your rehabilitation. Your jaw is your gold, mate. Your jaw is your gold. So you look after it very closely. Uh, and uh, of course uh, we'll uh, talk to uh, Michael Guerin in the next hour Mick will be with us on uh, trotting over the weekend there's uh, racing at Hawara today on grass as part of the Taranaki Racing Festival over the weekend, Addington and of course uh, Omaru on Sunday so plenty to talk about with Mick uh, around about 11.45 we'll be back shortly with the Sports Desk
0: as well Vodafone has one awesome summer of sport lined up for you. Kia ora, good morning. I'm Aunga Hathaway with SENZ News. Bailey Messervey, the 18-year-old man accused of repeatedly stabbing Christchurch dog walker Nigel Wilson to death, has appeared in court today. Messervey pleaded not guilty to murder in the Christchurch High Court. The Green Party's joining more than 20 community organisations calling for an immediate rent freeze in Auckland. The move comes following reports landlords would be hiking rents after flooding created less supply in the rental market. Chloe Swarbrook said rents were frozen during COVID-19 and she wants the same action to protect Auckland renters now. Help you succeed in your field. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 11.03,
2: and let's talk some football, shall we? The beautiful game, because there's a very busy weekend of EPL football coming up. We'll go through some of those games with our guest, Ricardo Ball. Of course, uh, everyone knows Ricardo. He's host of uh, Phoenix Nation. He's on this uh, particular radio station. Uh, More often than he's not, uh, when... um, uh, he's uh, available, which is fantastic for us. Uh, he knows uh, a lot about football. He knows about the market transfer, the managers uh, going from club to club. So Ricardo Ball is the perfect guy, the perfect guy, as I say, good morning to you, Ricardo, to tell us who the next football uh, all-whites coach is, please. You'll know that, won't you? you wow, well,
12: mate, I don't think New Zealand football know that, Smithy. So it's a bit of a it's a bit of a dark one, uh, unfortunately. Um, obviously, uh, our good friend Andrew Gordy, um, Uh, had some pretty good oil. uh, From what I understand, he got it straight from New Zealand football that it was going to be John Herdman. Um, And then John Herdman announces that he's staying at Canada to the 2026 World Cup. And I've got to say, I thought it was an interesting, uh, you know, an interesting name to be linked to our job because I was like, you know, I love New Zealand football, but John Herdman's in Canada who are hosts of the next World Cup, have just been to Qatar, have got a bunch of players playing in the top leagues in Europe. I'm like, why is he coming back to New Zealand? Not that I hate mm. the idea, but it made no sense. Um, and the only thing I can put it down to Smithy is, and I don't know this for sure, but this is you know me speculating is that he's basically played New Zealand football. Um, he did have a, apparently he was approached by a, a recruiter, said he was interested. Uh, he's put that out there. Obviously, this story comes out. Canadian football go, oh, we need to re-sign him to a new deal, and he gets a better deal. That's what it looks like to me. So, who's it next going to be? I think they have to go back to the market because Diz Buckingham, he said no, <clears throat> he, um, well, they said no to him, and he signed a deal, a long-term deal where he is in India. Uh, then um, Ufuk Talais basically said, well, I don't want to be uh, the bridesmaid, so no, that ship sailed, I'm not going to do it. Uh, you've got Darren Baisley, who's the caretaker at the moment, it was the assistant under Danny Hay. Um, he's probably the most obvious one now to carry on. There was one other name that they hadn't mentioned I don't know who that is. So yeah, for, for me, it's it, it's back to the drawing board for New Zealand football, unfortunately, and it uh, doesn't look good for anybody. It's gone a lot of faces.
2: Well, Gords is a very respectable journalist. We know that uh, he's very highly rated mm. uh, within the New Zealand media system. Uh, so uh, you know, when someone from New Zealand football and we are imagining someone fairly high up goes to him and says this is the go, I mean, he's within his rights to believe it, isn't he?
12: Yeah, I oh, totally, totally. Look, you know, I mean um i i said on on my twitter uh on my twitter feed you know I had lots of people talking about it and i said look you know Gordy and uh, and andrew Warman, who also carried the story for stuff.co.nz had both gone with it and they were both copying a bit of stick a lot of canadian fans funnily enough giving them stick um but i said you know these guys are renowned journalists they do their due diligence on stories they haven't put this out there on a whim it's not a guess they're not just trying to you know stir up clicks they've heard something that they've been able to ratify with someone else. They they, they want to double-check this, and um, it's fallen over. And I think from that, I mean, it doesn't look good for them, obviously, on the face of things. But if you consider all of that, then you have to consider that New Zealand football have uh, made, shall we say, a rare misstep, Smithy.
2: Right. Wellington Phoenix. Let's get uh, a little bit uh, closer to home. Wellington Phoenix have had a few dramas. They've questioned the uh, VAR's involvement in Tim Payne's red card last weekend. Uh, where's that ended up?
11: Well, it's ended
12: up nowhere, really. I mean, I had uh, David Dome, the GM, on yesterday, and it's not often, Smithy, that you get a GM of a uh, sporting franchise publicly go to the media and criticise the referees or the refereeing organisation, but that's what he did yesterday with us. Um, He said that they're going to take it, basically they're going to table it at the next APL board meeting, that there needs to be a change. Uh, They're currently lobbying because all the referees still come under uh, Australian football. And the APL is a separate organisation now that runs the A-League, so they're basically lobbying to get that under the APL so they can change things. So the story is that the idea with VAR is that they can only get involved if there's a clear and obvious error. With the Tim Payne thing, without going too deep into it, there were possibly the goalkeeper and definitely two defenders covering, I think. Uh, And then also the thought that David Williams was no guarantee to get to the ball. Um, So I don't think that's a clear and obvious error that's when VAR should say, all right, well, we have to go with the referee's decision here because it's not clear and obvious. Um, but they did get involved, VAR. So what David Dome said to uh, the people that run referees in Australia is, look, how is this clear and obvious? They're like, it's not clear and obvious. He shouldn't have done it. He shouldn't have got involved. He's like, right, so what do we do? Well, uh, that's down to this other organisation that does the red cards. We can't do anything about it. So even though we've admitted we're wrong, we can't actually change the decision. Uh, and that's happened several times to the Phoenix this season. Happened with the women's game on the weekend as well, where they were down to 10 uh, and they managed to come back from two goals down uh, to score a goal that would have made it 4-3. It was given offside, but there was no angle to say it was offside. Um, and that was given by VAR as well. So definitely, I mean, it, it's varying into into Warriors territory of a few years ago, Smithy, but uh, the fact that the GM's coming out and saying that something is horribly wrong with the system Uh, has certainly perked a lot of ears up, and I know Australia are are, are certainly listening as well.
2: Okay, well, uh, staying on the subject of the Phoenix, of course, they're currently fourth. They play Melbourne Victory tonight uh, at 9.45pm our time. Not a game to be taken lightly.
12: No, the Victory never seemed to take lightly, although... At the moment, I would, uh, I, I've would i jumped on them. I, I suggested to a few people yesterday that they should jump on them as well. I haven't had a look at the market today, but yesterday the Phoenix were paying 330 against the team that's bottom of the table and their third um, at the TAB. So, Smithy, that might be one after this chat for you to jump on. But, um, well, yeah, I think, I mean, Melbourne Victory, there's always been a a, a real, um, almost Derby-like intensity between the Victory and the Phoenix, and uh, I don't think that changes Victory have been struggling, they've got some injuries they're not in great form, uh, the coach is under pressure uh, and on the flip side of it, you know the Phoenix are travelling pretty well, uh, I know Tale will be disappointed to have given up the two points uh, that we dropped against Perth but once again that's down to the officials um, as a result of that we'll probably have Josh Walls and Finn Sermon at centre back because Scott Wooten is injured and, and Tim Payne is uh, suspended, obviously, which does, uh, you know, it's not our most experienced centre back lineup, but I think going forward, we've got enough goals in the Phoenix that they should win this game. So, uh, and I think it's a game that they've got a target to win because this is the bottom of the table team, regardless of what shirt they wear. And if you're really serious about cementing your place in the playoffs in such a tight league, uh, you need to be beating the bottom of the table.
2: You do, absolutely, you do. Full weekend of uh, EPL action, full weekend of EPL action. Um, beginning with uh, Chelsea-Fulham, Man U play Palace, Uh, Spurs play City, uh, I think on Monday morning. Uh, Key games for you over the weekend?
12: Uh, I'm really interested to see Chelsea-Fulham. I mean, Fulham have been tracking really, really well, and this is a derby. Chelsea have been underperforming. Uh, I mean, Fulham are above Chelsea in the league, and uh, they're they're tracking really, really well at the moment, Fulham. So I think this is a big challenge for Chelsea. These two played each other not long ago, and Chelsea did manage to get up. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they go at home to Stamford Bridge where there's a bit more pressure on. They've made a bunch of new signings in the transfer window. How many of those we'll see? I, probably not too many because I think it's probably a little bit early to have integrated them into the squad properly. Um, but, yeah, interesting to see what happens in that game. I think there's every chance uh, Fulham takes something away from Stamford Bridge. And, you know, Chelsea, I think, Smithy, you know, you look at the money they've spent. I think last in 2022, English clubs spent just over two billion dollars in the transfer market and a quarter of that was chelsea so um if they don't make the champions league next season there could be some real heavy financial pressure come on chelsea so this is a really interesting one to watch from that point of view as well so that's the game that really interests me and probably the most um also looking forward to monday morning spurs man city your spurs uh hosting man city and the, you know those are two teams that uh, don't like each other very much, and there's a bit of history there, and Spurs have taken points off Man City in recent times, so um, I know Spurs haven't been on a great run recently, but neither have Man City, so
13: that'll be another one to watch, I think.
2: Well, Spurs were up 2-0 in the last encounter, and Manchester City scored four second-half goals, knocked them over 4-2, uh, but Harry Kane did score one of those goals, and it was just to score again, uh, he goes past Jimmy Greaves, who is an absolute icon in the game, so uh, Harry Kane, all sorts of rumours about where and where he, where he might not be going but uh, for the moment, he's about to cement himself, I think, as the greatest scorer of all time for Spurs
12: Yeah, yeah, exactly making history, I mean, there's been some fantastic strikers there, and Gary Lineker played there, Clive Allen played there, as you mentioned, Jimmy Greaves uh, some real big names, Eugen Klinsmann obviously, as well, so uh, to be the number one top scorer for Spurs, if he can get that done, which he will at some point this season that is a massive achievement for Harry Kane, and then you wonder what, it is, is more, uh, you know, what else is there for him to do at Spurs, given that things in the back room seem a little bit up in the air. Antonio Conte uh, is a coach that I don't think they've quite got what they wanted out of him, and I don't think he's quite got what he wanted out of the club. Um, his contract runs out at the end of the season, and he has showed no signs of signing a new one. Um, which is interesting. So what does Spurs do from there? I mean, it's that sort of uncertainty that you think might drive Harry Kane out of the club, given that by the end of the season, he's only got a year left on his contract at Spurs.
2: Crucial stage of the season two for one of the proudest football clubs in the league, and that, of course, is uh, Everton. They host uh, competition leaders, Arsenal, at the weekend, and they host them with a new manager and Sean Dyche at the helm, who wasn't everybody's choice. Can he pull the oracle for them?
12: I think you can. I think Sean Dyche is the best choice they could have made. Um, Bielsa, uh, who was at Leeds there, the Argentinian, he was talked about a lot, but Bielsa, the way he plays the game, he has to have his players, basically his players run into the ground for him, and I think he's the sort of coach that you need at the start of the season, so so he's got a pre-season to to implement things. Parachuting him in mid-season, I don't think would have worked. Um, In fact, he said when he was approached that he would come in And coach the Everton under twenty ones for the rest of the season, and then take over the first team before next season. That's what he wanted to do. He didn't want to take the job now, so they said no to him, and they went to Sean Dyche. And you know, Sean Dyche, I think is, I think he's got more about him than Sam Allardyce. But in a way, he's that kind of manager. He's the firefighter. Um, He can play. Defensive, ugly football where you're hard to beat, you're hard to break down. They launch it, they might they might nick it one nil, and they're physical and they're they're ugly to play against. And there's a few players there at Everton like James Tarkovsky and Dwight McNeil that he coached at Burnley, so I think it's a really good fit. Um, you know, they've managed to absolutely botched the transfer window which is not Sean Dyche's fault but if there's one team that needed to make signings in the transfer window it was Everton and they managed to get in precisely no one they're the only club in the Premier League that signed no one so I think he's got a real job on his hands but I think he's the right man for the job it's just whether or not he's got enough resources to keep them up
2: interesting indeed uh, we'll keep an eye on developments over the EPL good luck to the Phoenix tonight and uh, the saga of the the Always Coach will continue on, and uh, no doubt. Uh, Ricardo Ball, always great to catch up with you, man. Have a terrific weekend. I hope you're dry.
12: Yeah, yeah, so far, Smithy, you too, bud.
2: Because great, fantastic. Ricardo Ball uh, with us there, um, and uh, we'll take a short break. Now, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk some serious NHL information because uh, Logan Swinkles is all over that, absolutely all over that. Uh, He's classed as an ice hockey commentator. That's what it says, an ice hockey commentator. He's written that himself. So we're going to test him on that uh, with his knowledge because it's uh, coming up to All-Star Weekend. In fact, it's All-Star Weekend this weekend. Uh, plus, how New Zealand performed at the recent under-20 men's, under-18 women's, IIHF World Championships. He's got all the, all the goss on that. We'll be back with Logan very shortly.
4: Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's time to grab your bat. Pat up for one last time this week for a stump by Smithy here on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. We're playing for a $100 TAB bonus bet after Smithy did stump someone yesterday, Smithy. I know you're feeling really good for the long weekend. We might get it up to 150, shall we?
2: Yeah, big race day, though, for a lot of people tomorrow, uh, a lot of sports over the weekend. So if you are lucky enough to win the 100 bucks, you have got plenty of options to go to the TAB and try and convert it into uh, a little bit more. But, of course, as we always say, gamble responsibly. Who are the fan, uh, Who's the first candidate this morning? First cab off the ranks.
1: First cab off the ranks, Kevin from Cambridge. Come in, Matt.
5: How you going, guys?
1: Yeah, g'day. Kev, how's uh, the Waikato? Oh, a
7: bit overcast, but uh, not as wet as Auckland, that's for sure. <laughs>
2: No, not as wet as Auckland Day, uh, as uh, we keep saying. Uh, enough, though. Sympathies, to, yeah, sympathies for for those people that uh, have been badly affected by that. Probably haven't got time to listen to the radio, but if you do, if you're in a car and uh, you're trying to dig yourself out of uh, some wet weather, uh, we wish you all the best. Right, uh, subjects for Kevin to peruse this morning.
1: Well, I haven't been outside since this show has started yet, Smithy, but I'm really hoping that there's at least not rain uh, on the cards for the rest of the day because it's Food Truck Fridays uh, in Auckland, and I'm looking forward to a bit of that. Uh, Kevin from Cambridge, your categories today are the FA Cup, Rugby Sevens, and the Wellington Phoenix. Let's go to the Sevens. <laughs> the not football categories. All right. <laughs> First question for you, Kevin. What team currently leads the men's draw of the World Rugby Sevens series?
2: It'd be New Zealand.
1: That's a couple of chips down to make it. Right in the slot, and the it goes. Yep, that's right. New Zealand up the top with 85 points. South Africa second on 76. Smithy. Yep.
2: Um, New Zealand are murdering it, aren't they? Absolutely fantastic at the moment. Uh, both squads going exceedingly well. Uh, so, yep, that's question one out of the way. I'd have got that.
1: <laughs> I know you would, mate. Yeah, you love to see it <laughs> with uh, Olympic uh, qualification on the line as well. Second question for you, Kevin. Kevin. Which Blackburn 7-star holds the World Series record for all-time tri-scorer? All-time? Oh, well,
2: you'd
11: have to go Porsche wouldn't you?
1: Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. Yep. There's a Kiwi in second as well, Smithy. Can you guess who that is?
2: No, I can't. Mac- oh, yes,
1: maybe I'll have a... Uh
2: um No, I can't.
1: <laughs> Flula? Uh, Michaela Blyde. Michaela, oh, Michaela Blyde, what a
2: try scoring machine. Cheers, I think she's pulled a hamstring or done a hamstring. But man, what a machine. Oh, <laughs> wouldn't stop, would not have any chance of stopping her. She's an <laughs> absolute try scoring machine. I don't think uh, a lot of people would. Gif- well, mate,
1: we'll make no, a question, tonight. Eh? <laughs> no, we won't.
2: I'm just stupid, Kevin. We run the rules here. It's our game. We run the rules, Kevin. <laughs> okay,
1: Logan. Question VAR, three. Mate, VAR. Oh no, VAR. dirty words around here. VAR is banned. Uh, last question for you. Who has played the most games for the New Zealand men on the World Rugby 7 Circuit?
5: And over all time.
1: Mhm.
3: Mm Oh
5: choice. There's a few candidates.
13: Is it.
7: Is it the guy Dixon? One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field.
1: No, not. uh, I think you. Are you thinking of Sam Dixon? Yeah, he seems to have been here for a while. Yeah, no, it's not Sam. Smithy. Right, I can only go to one guy here, and I think
2: he's Phil's long-lost cousin, Tim Mickelson. <laughs> oh,
0: that's not a couple of chips, not
2: it right in the slot,
13: and the it goes.
1: Oh, wow, Smithy. If that was a bail, I think you just destroyed it. <laughs> I, look, honestly, well
2: Tim done. Mickelson was the only, It was the first name that came to mind straight away. I mean, he's been there since the arc, Tim Mickelson. Okay, he's had his injury issues and whatever, but Tim Mickelson has just... Is, I mean, you look at Tim Mickelson and you just say sevens. You just say New Zealand sevens. Uh, so, Kev, I've got to say, um, I thought that was quite an easy question. But having said that, um, you, you didn't get you didn't get it right. What is a jab. Which means the 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 bad news is you lost. The good news is on Monday or Tuesday when you ring up. We'll be up to hundred and fifty, hundred and fifty bucks here to stump Smithy at eleven thirty in the morning. Kev, uh, have a terrific long weekend, man. Thanks for thanks for taking part.
9: Thanks, guys. Have a good one.
2: Yeah, Cheers. Uh, I thought that was a gimme. I gotta say, I just thought he would nail it, you guys. I thought they were pretty fair questions. But honestly, I just I just thought uh, Tim Mickelson had to be the man, surely.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I thought we were setting uh, someone up for a victory there, not named Smithy, but no. Here we are, $150 on, on Monday with uh, Waitangi Day with Stephen McIver. Yeah, I look forward to that.
2: Okay, yeah, I reckon Mick Guerin would have known the answer to that. We might even We might try him out on that, actually. We might try him out on that. Um, when he comes up in around uh, four or five minutes' time to talk about harness racing and uh, all the racing coverage here on SENZ over the weekend. Mick is next.
1: Brand are experts in agriculture,
0: covering your equipment, parts, and service needs to help you succeed in your field. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
2: Well, it's 1144 here on SENZ. A big welcome to the show to uh, Michael Guerin, uh, Mick to a lot of people. Um, Mick, of course, before we start on the, uh, the racing side of things, in particular the harness, who's played the most games? Who would you say has played the most games for the All Black Sevens? Male.
13: Wow. Naturally, my first thought would be Eric Rush, but there wouldn't have been as many sevens back then, Smithy, as there is now. So I'm picking it to be a current player. Uh, I I don't know because it's changed so much in the last five years with all the games they play, but my natural instinct would be Eric Rush.
2: Okay, Uh, well, a little bit early, but uh, good guess. It would have been one of my early ones as well. It's actually Tim Mickelson. Tim Mickelson's been around oh, for really? uh, quite some time. Yep, so Tim Mickelson is uh, the most capped uh, of our uh, if, if All if Black Sevens. You know, I look Seven. at
13: Sevens players, I feel fat. When you watch the Sevens players and you see a sit there, you're like, God, I'm fat.
2: <laughs> Mick, Mick, when I look at anything, I feel fat. But we'll move on from that. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> so, here we go. Uh, hey, hey. Uh, the other thing, uh, of course, you've been uh, heavily involved at the sales, um, particularly uh, during book one with a lot of interviews. Uh, enjoy the experience, and, and uh, what did you make of the sale?
13: Well, I thought it was a very fair sale. This is the Karaka Yelling Sales, which have just been on, uh, obviously, at Karaka, for the thoroughbreds. I think it was very fair. Often you go to the Smithy, and you think, oh, well, that person deserved more for their horse than they got, or you think, well, that person probably had a pretty good spoil. That's more than they probably deserved and, you know, they were lucky. I thought it was a sale where most people got about the right price. The prices were fair. Um they weren't over the top. There was one one million dollar lot but she has residual value with a broodmare. I thought considering the rain, because it rained <laughs> awfully hard, um, New Zealand Bloodstock did a very good job. So I thought a very fair sale and a reflection of the fact that our horses may not always be the glamour horses but they're doing the job on the track in Australia and that's that's advertising you can't buy
2: Mm, absolutely I I thought it was uh, beautifully presented too on uh, 263 uh, and as I said your interviews were part and parcel of that catching up with uh, some of the stars coming home and uh, the ones coming from overseas which was great Uh, but uh, in the meantime Mick uh, we can't uh, not uh, focus on the harness racing this weekend there's um Hawara Grass today, which is part of the uh, the big carnival of racing in the Taranaki over the weekend. Uh, Addington, of course, uh, later on in the piece, and then uh, Omaru on Sunday.
13: And massive racing in Australia, Um, Tonight in Melbourne, there's a fascinating race called the Great Southern Star. Now, that involves the New Zealand Omaru Trotter, majestic man. And they race two heats, races three and four at Melton. And the first five home in each heat race in the final two hours later. It's the only race in our part of the world where this happens. So the horses race twice in two and a half hours. It's for 300,000 Australian. So they're not mucking around. It's serious money. And it's two sprint trips. And it's a confusing, unusual affair because obviously they can't declare the field for the final to after the heats. And then they have the final live. It'll be live on Trackside in New Zealand or Sky in Australia. Then they run the final two and a half hours later. They tend to keep the horses walking because have a little bit of water, but they can't give them too much. It's um it's a fascinating thing to be part of. I'll be there tonight at Melbourne Then tomorrow night, the New Zealand Cup champion of the last two years, copied at from South Auckland, from Pukataui, is the favourite for the $500,000 Hunter Cup it's a big deal. It's a big race. Um, he and Old Town Road from Ardmore are in there representing New Zealand against the best from Australia. So all those race men, as you mentioned, are on. How are on the grass mm. will be fun today. Uh, the best horse racing in the country today, and he'll just win, but he won't pay much, is Muscle Mountain at Addington. So he races in the main trot there, and he'll just hack up and win easily. But those races over the weekend in, in Melbourne are a big deal. Like it's 800,000 worth of races <laughs> in two races for those New Zealand horses. So we haven't done a lot of that in the last couple of years, Smitty, for obvious reasons, with COVID and travel restrictions. But the best version of harness racing, even more so than the Gallops, the best version is when it's Trans-Tasman. Because with the Gallops, it's strong enough to stand on its own in Australia. But with the harness, Mm. you'd need that kiwi flavour and that rivalry. So that's going to be very much to the fore in Melbourne, in a rainy Melbourne. I've left Auckland, I've come to Melbourne and it's raining in Melbourne too. So it's following me around. But that's going to be over the next two days. That'll all be on track. So I'm a little bit late at night for some people. But Greg O'Connor will review all that and talk to the participants. Uh, on Trot's Talk at 11 a.m. on ECNZ on, on Sunday. So if you miss it all, the replays and the chat will be on ECNZ 11 o'clock on Sunday. And Louis Herman Watt will be flying solo tomorrow uh, from 8 o'clock to give you all the track conditions from around the country and all the interviews uh, for the gallops over the weekend, which has a bit of a bonus today, Smithy, because it's actually Waikato Guinea's Day today. That's today, Friday which was going yeah. to be held on Wednesday, and they transferred it because of the track. So a bonus meeting today and a very important lead-up to the New Zealand derby. That's about five o'clock-ish tonight.
7: Uh, you'd
2: mentioned those uh, races in Australia, which reminded me of uh, that great concept last year in New Zealand Harness, the race, the race, of course, where uh, we were quite successful here, or Hutchie was, with his uh, particular uh, purchase in the event. Uh, is that a, a goer this year again, uh, Mick?
13: Mate, up to more money, Smithy. $1 million for the Race by Grins. April the 14th, it's a Friday night. So get your tickets, they're on sale now. April the 14th, Friday night, the Race by Grins. Another major Australian player called Better Eclipse was declared yesterday. He's been taken. He'll be there. Copy that'll be there. Old Town Road. Rock and Roll Do. Self-Assured will again be there, and he'll be running for SENZ, I'm sure. So it's going to be it's going to be the race of the season. The race of the season in E to Code in New Zealand will be the race by Grins on a Friday night at Cambridge. They've got a DJ afterwards, all that sort of cool stuff. Um, get your tickets, they're on sale now, April 14, and it very much will be on and worth even more.
2: What's your, what's your favourite restaurant in Melbourne, Mick? Your go-to? Um, Nobu,
13: I'm a Nobu man, I love I love Japanese oh. food So Nobu last last night, Smithy, had a bit of Nobu last night Caught up some old friends and we uh, will be talked about horses for about six hours As you can probably imagine
2: Brilliant, Nobu, what a classy joint that is Hey Mick, uh, enjoy Melbourne as always, I'm sure you will um, And thanks very much for your time this morning, have a great weekend eh?
13: Always a pleasure, Smithy, same to you too brother
2: yeah, cheers. Uh, Matt there uh, in Melbourne this time uh, of the year, of course, with plenty on, and uh, he's a frequent visitor there um, because uh, he's uh, so into uh, the harness racing side of things um, as well as the, the gallops as well. So it'll be Louie, sore, sore mouth and all, Louie hopefully flying the flag for us uh, on the mail run tomorrow morning and uh, Greg O'Connor uh, for the Trots Talk on uh, Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. Back with Staffy shortly.